Good evening to everyone. Good to see you. If you were here to hear Cliff, I'm sorry, you will be disappointed tonight. Uh, of course, he, as I said, he's not able to be here with us, but he uh, did want me to relay to everyone how much he really enjoyed being here and how it really benefited him, and he hoped that it did us, and I assured him that it did. He's had some wonderful, wonderful lessons, and then we enjoyed the time we got to spend with him. I'm starting to regret the time that he was in my vehicle and we went and had lunch together now, but uh, since he's sick, but, uh, uh, but he did make it home uh, safe and he was able to get there. He thought he better go on instead of staying one more night that he might be worse tomorrow and have that long drive home. And I certainly understand that. But there is a lot of sickness that's going around. We have some that's better, some that uh, still recovering. Uh, really glad to see Bryce here. You know, after being in that accident, I knew that he'd go through anything come hear me preach, and he, he was able to come tonight. I appreciate that, Bryce. <laughs> no, it's, it's really good to see you, and I'm glad that you're up, up going around and recovering. That, that's good to see. Uh, I was trying to think exactly, because when he called today, of course, I had to come up with something for tonight. And I thought first, you know, we've been studying Psalms on Wednesday night. We'll just kind of do that. But there was something that kept sticking in my mind. I had a conversation with a, a gentleman today, and we were discussing Cliff's lesson last night. And as we discussed that, both of us were talking about it. And one thing that kept sticking in my mind is that it's a shame. He did a wonderful job presenting that lesson last night. He did a wonderful job, uh, very timely. But to me, I think that's the issue. You know, a gospel meeting, you should be trying to reach the lost and, 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 and preaching salvation. And it is a shame that you have to cover something like that, isn't it? And I'm glad he did. He, we need to today. That's exactly what we need to preach, but it's a shame that we need to. It's a shame that things like that go on. And it's even more of a shame, as he talked about last night, that it's starting to creep into the church and there's individuals in the church that's starting to soften up on things like that. And it's a shame that we have to teach something about that. We have to teach against that, not only against it in the world, but against even uh, approving it when it comes to the church itself. And the more I thought about that, the more I, I was thinking about uh, something that uh, David said since the psalm was on my mind too. If you look in Psalms chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, he says, In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundation are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And the more that I thought about the lesson and some things that Brother Cliff said this week, uh, the more I got to thinking about David and what he's, what he's saying here. Of course, David is talking about his enemies. He's talking about the things that is happening to him. He said they're ready. The strings are there. They're ready to do what they need to do against uh, against me, and what's the righteous to do? When you see the wicked in the world, when you see the things that are going on, and you see the things that we face each and every day, and, and we have to cover these things, we have to teach these things, we have to keep these things at the forefront of our mind, we even have to make our children aware of this. Did you ever think that you'd have to sit down with your children and have discussions about uh, what truly a boy is or truly a girl is? and things? That, it's awful that we even have to do that. And David, as he's talking about how wicked things are and, and, and how the enemies are ready to do something, he asked that question, what shall the righteous or what can the righteous do? 
So that's what I got to thinking about. What can we do? As Christians, what are we to do? When we see the wicked that's in the world, we see the things that are there, and, and, and we just want to pull our hair out sometimes, and we think, how bad can it really get? You know, every day it seems like it's something else. You know, when you hear uh, individuals talk about in, in one state, uh, uh, somebody was telling me that they're trying to get a law passed to put litter boxes in the uh, bathrooms of schools because kids are acting like either a cat, identifies a cat or a dog or, or something. I guess cat if you've got to have a litter box. You know, uh, they don't want to act like a cat around me. I don't care for cats. So if you want to act like one, you get treated like one, I guess. You know, but it's a sh kid, Did you ever think that that would even take place? When you see things like that or hear things like that and, and see just how, how wicked and how uh, uh, just the minds of individuals are getting so twisted around us, what are we to do? What, what are we supposed to do as Christians when this is bombarded to us every single day? We used to say, don't have to worry about it. It's, it's in another state or it's here. It's, it's right at our doorstep. We don't have to look far to see things like this. So how do we handle it as Christians? David here, as he was discussing this, as he was pleading to God, you know, David had a lot of trials that he had to face. You know, 1 Samuel 17, Goliath and the Philistines, he had to face that. 1 Samuel 18 through 23, he had a paranoid King Saul that uh, uh, kept uh, uh, following after him, wanting to kill him. He had to run for him. 1 Samuel chapter 30, his conflict with the Amalekites. You have 2 Samuel 2 through 4, the civil war at his anointing. You had 2 Samuel 8, battles while he was reigning as a king. You had 2 Samuel 15, uh, the treachery of his son Absalom. David had every reason to ask, what can the righteous do? So we, I think we need to ask that today. What can we do? When, when we face these things in life, when we're bombarded, when we walk out of this church building, and unfortunately in some of the church buildings it even gets in those, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to handle it? What are, how are we supposed to get through it? Well, let's look at some things I think that may can help us this evening and hopefully kind of close out maybe some of the things. It's not to Cliff's uh, caliber, but maybe we can close out some things and, and take something from it, everything that we've learned this week. Uh, it, what do we do? Well, I think first we need to keep our faith in God. That's one thing we can't lose as Christians. We've got to have, not just have faith, but have faith in God. I, I think we've got to keep that at the forefront of our mind. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, it says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. No matter what goes on in this world, no matter what wickedness we're faced, no matter what the enemies are throwing at us, no matter what the world says we need to tolerate, that we need to accept, that we need to just encourage, even in a lot of cases, no matter what comes our way, always remember, when we stand up, God's there with us. He's not going to leave us. When we stand for what's right, when we make sure we're living the way that we should live, have faith in our God that He's there. He's not going to leave us. Ephesians chapter 6, he tells us how to do that, beginning at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the, the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand 
in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplications in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak. You know what Paul says? If you want to defeat the devil, if you want to defend yourself against the devil, both defensively and you want to have offense, here's how you do it. You put on the whole armor of God. And you take that sword of the Spirit. You do everything that you can to defend it. And that takes having faith in God. Knowing that God is going to supply every single thing that we need. And I don't know about you, I'm just speaking for myself. I think that's what happens when I get so overwhelmed with, with everything that's going on in the world, everything that we're facing, I forget sometimes in those moments we still serve a living God. God, God hadn't forgot what, He's not forgot about us. He, it's not that He doesn't know what's going on. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly who His people are. He knows exactly where His people are. But what we have to realize, we need to make sure... We know where He is. And not to forget that. Have faith in Him. And make sure we realize He's not going to leave us or forsake us. That He gives us all the tools that we need. Now we may go out and try to fight and have none of this on and not be effective. We've got to make sure that we're prepared for this fight. That we're prepared to withstand everything that Satan has to throw at us. But that takes the whole armor of God. Because Satan's going to look for those weak moments. As Peter says, he's like a roaring lion that's walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he tells us to be sober-minded, to be vigilant, be on guard. Why? Because he's going to look for that chink in the armor. And he says, right there's what I'm going for. We've got to be ready. So what can we do? The question that David asks, what is it that we can do? Have faith in God. Don't lose that faith in God. What else can he says here? Look in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. It says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And we've got to remember that. God loves us. He knows what we're facing. He knows what we're going through. And we can cry out to Him just like David did. David was facing things like we're facing. He was facing enemies. He was facing trials. He was facing all these. That's what I love about the book of Psalms. It has taught me so much, not only about David, but about God. And about what our relationship to God should be. And our ability and responsibility and privilege that we have that we can cry out to Him. Because He hears us. He knows what we're facing. He knows what we're going through. And that brings me to my next point. What can we do? Continue to pray. Don't ever forget to pray. That's the greatest tool that we have as children of God. 
is, is to be able to pray. Let's go to David once again. Maybe when we pray, sometimes we may pray like David does here. Look in Psalms 43. He says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication in your faithfulness. Answer me in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty lamb. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Boy, that's bold, isn't it? David here in this whole passage, he's crying out to God, Don't forget about me, but I know you won't forget about me, and I know what you'll do to my enemies. And I'm praying to you with that confidence that you're going to do them. But I'm weary. I'm, I'm, I'm down. David knew his position. He knew what he was. But he knew what his God was. No matter what he was facing, he knew he could cry out to him. And he ended it knowing, I'm your servant. And he knew God wasn't going to forget that. Maybe we need to cry to God like that. Maybe that's what our prayer needs to be. We need to have that kind of confidence when we pray, when we face these things in our life. But maybe our prayer may be like we find here. Remember when Peter and John told uh, their own companions what ha happened to them? Remember they were preaching about Jesus and the council brought them in and, and really didn't know what to do with them because of the miracles that they had seen and they couldn't deny it. And they just told them, don't teach about Jesus anymore. Just, just don't do it. So they let them go. So they go and they tell their, their companions about what happened. And listen to this. Look in Acts chapter 4, verse 24. It says, So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And let's jump down to verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word, by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You, you notice what's happening here? They, they, they tell them what went on, and as they're telling this, they, they go back and they talk about David and the Psalms when David actually talked about, you know, men rage war basically against God, but to no avail. That, you know, they're facing God, they're wanting to fight God, there's not going to be any good come out of that. There's no way that they can do that. So they start praying to God boldly, really to put them in positions that may be harmful for their life just so they can boldly speak in the name of Jesus. Maybe that's what our prayer needs to be. 
We may sometimes feel like we're, we're like David. We're hid, we're, we're, we're beaten, we're withdrawn, and we're crying out to God for help, and we're crying out to God to, to, to be there for us and crying out to God, you know, you're going to have to take care of my enemies, and I know you're going to because I'm your servant. But maybe sometimes we pray, put me in the position to where I can proclaim your word no matter what. So I can boldly be where I need to be. And that's exactly what Peter and John actually end up having to do. Maybe that's what our prayer needs to be. But when we face these things in our life, we need to make sure that we keep God in the forefront, that we believe in God, but not only believe in God, but we believe that we can continually talk to Him and tell Him our needs, tell Him our wants. When we're facing this thing in the world, when this world feels like it can't even go on, and we think, how in the world, when we're drinking our coffee and watching the news, and we think, how can it get any worse? Maybe we need to pray, put me in the position where I can do good. Where I can proclaim your word, no matter what. No matter what I'm faced with. This is really a prayer to bring on some heartache and pain, isn't it? It's really a prayer to, you know, no matter what I need to do, Give me the strength to boldly do it. And there's times we need to pray that. There's times we need that strength. There's times we need that boldness to be able to, to speak in the name of Jesus. Now, here's, here's something that can happen too. When we're faced with these things, I don't know about you, sometimes we have a tendency to get overwhelmed with it and get angry. But we've got to be careful with that. In Psalms 37, beginning at verse 1, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Now, fret, according to Strong's, means this, to glow or grow warm or fig figuratively to blaze up, he says, of anger, of zeal, uh, uh, of anger, to be displeased. So he's saying here, do not fret, do not be displeased, do not, do not blaze up because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. You ever get frustrated? You ever get angry because of what you see going on? You ever get angry and think, I, 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 I tell you, since I've become a grandparent, it makes me angry a lot. Not what I have to face, but what my grandchildren may have to see. What my grandchildren may have to face. That, that I may not have to face. I'm seeing enough right now. I can't imagine what they're going to have to see. I can't imagine what they're going to have to go through. But here's where it comes down to. We have to make sure in all of that that we're teaching that next generation and the next generation that's coming up how to be faithful in the midst of that. There's always going to be evil in the world. There's always going to be things that come up. I mean, Paul had to deal with this many times. He, he had to talk about this. Jesus talked about this. This isn't anything new. You know how he does you know what the Bible does for us? It tells us how to live in this crooked generation. Doesn't it? I, I mean, we think about, we, we can run from, where are you going to run to? Where are you going to go to get away from it? There, there's nowhere to go to get away from it. So what we do to be that light in the world, the very best we can, and don't let this world of darkness put out the light that we have. And sometimes that's kind of easy to do, but don't uh, uh, be angry. Ecclesiastes 7 and 9 do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. You ever made a fool of yourself because you got angry? 
I can raise my hand there. I've done it. You get angry and you end up making it worse. But sometimes we just feel like we've got to do something. Well, that takes us back to the previous point. Cry out to God. God's there to hear us. You go through the book of Psalms, see all the things that David cries out to God. He's sad, he's mad, he's angry, he, 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 he feels betrayed sometimes, he, he, he feels like he can't do anything sometimes. He cries out all of this to God. And God hears him. <laughs> and that's what we need to do instead of sometimes getting as angry as we do. Romans 12, 18 and 19. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men... Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Be careful with our anger. Remember God. Remember we can continually pray to Him. But be careful and don't get angry in the process to the point to where we lose control of what we're doing and what our mission is and what we're supposed to accomplish in this crooked generation, this crooked world that we find ourselves in. We have a place here. We have a reason here. And we need to remember that. So what do we do if we can't do that? Well, he tells us. What can a righteous do? What can we do in our lives as Christians? Overcome evil with evil. Is that what he says? That's not what he says. Overcome evil with good. In Romans 12, as we read a few moments ago, but we're going to read uh, it in the entire context here, starting in verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible during these times, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will pray, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not become overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Now notice, if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. You know the best way to make someone not your enemy? Try to make them your friend. Oh no, I can't do that. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they've done. You don't know how they act. You don't know what... It's not about what they're doing. It's about what we're doing, isn't it? It's about what we're faced with. It's about our salvation to try to help them with their salvation. Just like Brother Cliff was talking last night. You know, it's, it should be our obligation and our privilege to help anybody that's in sin to come out of sin. But sometimes with our attitudes, we can push them farther in it or get them to where they want to stay there. Just by the attitude that we have toward them. Because we return the evil for evil. Or we return the sin for sin. We've got to be careful. What can the righteous do? Don't act like that. Don't be like that. Don't return evil for evil. But overcome evil with good. First Peter chapter 2. Beginning at verse 21. For to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us. Leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges rightfully or righteously. That's who we need to think about. Leave ourselves to him. God's going to judge us based on what we do, how we act, 
the things that we say, how, how we do the things that we do in this world that we live. And we've got to make sure that we're doing the things in which he says. And here's a, 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 these last ones here I think are, are key that might can help us in some present things in which we're in. Is remember we are living for heaven. Not for here. This world is not our home. What's the song say? We're just passing through. See we act sometimes based on our actions and things that we see that this world is all that there is. But it's not. We're not living for this world. We're living for the next. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I've told you often, and now I tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things. But notice what he says. For our will, uh, our will transform our lowly bodies that it may be, uh, wait a minute, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. He said there's a group of people, here's what their end is. Here's what their desire is. Here, here's where they're headed down the road. But you're not like that, he says. Our, our home is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. Now, I, I, I think I can consider myself as patriotic as anybody. I love the country I live in. I, I love America. I love the freedoms that we still at least have. But my home is not here. My home is in heaven. My citizenship is in heaven. That's what I'm striving for. I have to get from here to there. I have to live here. I'm still present in the body, as, as Paul says. So while I am, there's things I need to do. And there's ways in which I need to act. But those things I need to do, the things I need to say, and how I act is what gets me there. Isn't it? The things that we see here, yeah, it's, it, it's bad. And we can make a difference with the light that we let shine but no, it's still a world of darkness. When Jesus, the light himself, came, it was a world of darkness, wasn't it? He told him, you're already condemned. John chapter 3, I didn't come to condemn you. You're condemned already. You're in darkness already. I came to bring the light. I came to seek and save that which is lost. I came to bring you out of that darkness. And him being the light himself, many didn't follow it. So us being a reflection of the light, sometimes we think we can do more than he did. I'm not the light, I'm a reflection of it, aren't you? Or we should be. But we should do all that we can to let that light shine. So they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. What are they seeing? They're seeing the way out. They may not take it, but we better be showing it. We don't ever need to stop showing the way. But sometimes that's hard for us to do. But we need to realize our citizenship is in heaven. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Beloved, uh, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. See, this isn't our home. We're sojourners. We're pilgrims. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, 
they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. I've got a responsibility. You've got a responsibility. What can we do? Make sure we live up to that responsibility. What can we do is realize this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. This isn't it. All of our eggs aren't in this basket. And we need to make sure we understand that. We're striving for something more. We're striving for something better. And we've got to show that to the world. Even when the world brings their darkness right to our doorstep. Keep that light shining. Don't let the light go out. What can we do? We can obey God rather than men. And that's hard sometimes. Some of the things that we're faced with, what can the righteous do? That's what we can do. Now here's what we are to do. And I want you to listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. Therefore submit yourselves, listen close, to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as a bondservant of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That's hard to even say, isn't it? Because in our present time, it's hard to honor our governing officials, isn't it? It's, it's, it's hard to do this. This is what we're supposed to do, isn't it? This is exactly what we're supposed to do. Now, I may grit my teeth when my taxes are too high. I may grit my teeth when I have to put an extra $50 in my tank because I, I drive around too much. I may grit my teeth every time I have to do anything like that. But I still got to respect this verse, do I not? Now, that's what we're supposed to do. And that's what we have to do. But there's an exception too, isn't there? In Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 30, Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. The high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you to teach in this name? And look, you have, fulfilled, you have filled Jerusalem with this doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Now here's the difference, and we've got to understand this difference. We live in a pretty crooked world at times. Our governing bodies can be crooked. Our governing bodies can do things that can make us mad. And what do we do? We do exactly what scriptures say to do. We live the way that we're supposed to live. Now, there comes a time when that infringes on what we do as Christians. What do we do then? We obey God, not man. But we have to understand the difference. There's a lot of wicked things out there. There's a lot of things they expect us to tolerate. There's a lot of things we're going to see. And then we're going to continue to see. It's going to continue to happen. And we asked, how in the world can we live here when it's like this? Follow the scripture to the very best of our ability. And then there's times where that infringes on what we do as Christians. And then we have to make a choice. What do I do? I obey God rather than man. You see the difference? So what, what does the righteous do? The righteous remembers God. The righteous cries out to God. The righteous does everything that we can to defend ourselves in knowing that and crying out to God. We, we realize what we're faced with. Don't get angry. 
Live the way that God wants us to live. Do the things that God wants us to do. Remember that our, our citizenship is not here and obey God. Do all we can to follow Him, no matter what we face in this world. Our faith will be tested by the promotion of sin, by faithfulness or faithlessness, godliness, uh, all these things that we face. But we've got to stand on the ground of the truth and stand up for the truth. 1 Corinthians 16, beginning at verse 13, says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. As I said, we heard a lot of wonderful lessons this week. We've, uh, and then last night, especially with seeing and, and dealing with the things that we deal with in, in this world, I think it does leave us the question, so what do we do? And I hope maybe just for a little bit we answered some of those questions tonight. That we know what we can do. We know what we should do. But let's go back to the very first point, And that's have faith in God. Do you have faith in God tonight? Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh before God must believe that He is. And He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after Him. Faith come by hearing, hearing the word of God. So do we have faith in Him, but not only in Him, but what He can do? And what can He do? He can, by His Word, show us that we need to repent of our sins. Luke 13 and 3. That we need to confess our, not only our sins, but confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Be baptized for the remission of those sins. Acts 2, 38. To wash away those sins. Acts 22 and verse 16. And live a life walking in the light as He is in the light. Because, friends, we need that light. We don't need to ever quit walking in that light. This world is too dark. This world is too dark for us to stray away from the light. But you have that opportunity to do that tonight. But maybe you are here and you have strayed away from the light. You've stepped out of that light. Now there remains no more sacrifice for you, Hebrews 10, verse 26. You have the opportunity to come back 